College football is back. Thank goodness. And TCU takes on Colorado Saturday for big noon kickoff to officially start the season. So it's time for some season predictions, plus news and notes from week zero. Hoops and baseball have big recruiting weekends ahead. And Melissa went on a little bit of a trip of sorts over the weekend that we were going to hear about all that and more on this episode of Frogs Insider. Welcome in to another episode of Frogs Insider. I am Jimmy Plunkett here as always with Melissa Trevewasser. Melissa, we've got a lot to get to today, but first I want to get to tell the people about how uh, dumb I am, okay? Jamie, it's always nice when we can tell the people how dumb you are and not me opening my mouth and empirically proving how dumb I am. <laughs> okay. So this is this is a good it's a good thing for me. This is a this is a good dumb. I also I was, feel like though. I have to apologize for the way that I sound when we talk about my weekend. People will probably understand why I sound this way, but it went on indeed, a full bender, is what I understand. <laughs> something like that, and also <laughs> no, nothing like that. But well, we're we're gonna get to Melissa's uh, jam packed weekend here in just a moment. But uh, I have kind of self um, assigned myself the person who tracks like all of the stats and data for this podcast. And I have been tracking how many downloads happen every week and we're growing and it's really cool, both on the Republic of Football Network feed, on our own feeds, on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And uh, I've just kind of had my spreadsheet. Melissa, you've seen it. I document every week how many downloads we get and all this other kind of stuff. And I realized this week that because i've been thinking in my head like all right i look at the spotify for podcasters stats and that's like all of the downloads for the frogs insider feeds everywhere because it shows me like the audience breakdown how many like percentage of different platforms that people are downloading on all this kind of stuff but the actual downloads apparently are only for spotify Ah. so i logged into apple this week and saw the real apple podcast numbers and i just gotta say i'm I'm really blown away with how many people are listening to the show because it's way more than I thought it was, frankly. Um, I was pretty happy with the numbers that you were sharing. I was content. Look, I was very happy with the numbers. And then I saw the real numbers when you figured out what those were. And it is amazing to me that that many people want to listen to us. Yes. Or maybe just you. I I think it's, I think it's a, it's an us thing for sure. Okay, We'll, Um, We'll do that. We'll do that. But either way, you know, I, so I, I say that to say thank you if you've been listening yeah. for a long time. We really do appreciate you. Uh, there are a lot more of you out there now that we have just learned about this week. So <laughs> thank you to all of you as well um, for listening and tuning in. And if this is your first time listening, thank you as well for stopping by the show. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the follow button and leave us a rating and review wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. We really do appreciate it. And, and thank you for growing this show as quickly as you have. Um, because otherwise it would just be two people talking into a microphone. Yeah. So. Which sometimes it still is, but That's Jamie, I, I feel like this is a good segue to kind of, to kind of tell the people we teased this a couple of weeks ago, but it's actually going to happen this week. It looks like that the show that so many people are listening to is, is expanding. We are growing. Yeah. And, and that there's not going to be just one opportunity to listen to us ramble on a week. 
it's true two opportunities look if you were if you were already breaking up our show into multiple segments for your short commute you have now two opportunities a week to do that starting this week because we'll be first of all moving our normal recording days from monday to sunday we're backing it up a day uh this podcast will typically serve as like a recap of the previous week game tcu game breakdown quotes all that kind of stuff Obviously, nothing to do quite in that vein this week yet. Uh, and then we'll have one later in the week that will preview TCU's upcoming opponent, talk a little bit more about what Sonny said at the press conference every week, that kind of stuff, and maybe do a little bit of a mailbag as well. So we got two episodes a week now that we've hit football season. Very excited about that. And, you know, we're, we're growing the show. So very excited for all of you that uh, have been listening. Very thankful for all of you and, and excited to bring you guys an extra show every week during football season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and and we'll we'll say that we'll we're backing the show up, and then on weekends that I'm traveling, God only knows when we'll record. But it's gonna be fine. <laughs> I, I will be in town for this weekend's opener, but I also get back really early on on Sunday because I have game prep to get ready for for my first flag football game on uh, Tuesday, September fifth. So, so you had a scrimmage though already. We did have right? a scrimmage. We so did how, we had our first. How'd that scrimmage go? Listen, like there's still a lot to learn about this game and what this game is going to look like in the Sac King section in, in Northern California. But guys, I think I got a team. Let's I go. think I got a squad. Um, I felt pretty good about what we did, all things considered in this scrimmage. I, I wouldn't have been keeping score except that we definitely won. So in which case I was keeping score. Um, I was, I was super impressed with my kids. I thought we looked pretty athletic. Our defense is salty. Like Gary nice. Patterson would be proud. Uh, and I think the offense will, will come around here by, by next week. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up. Uh, I've been watching the scores from around the league and, and they're going to be some good, we're going to have some strong opponents for sure, but I, I think we'll be a really competitive team. And, and if we can not turn it over, put points on the board, uh, I think we can be a player. I think we can be a player in the SFL this year. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll, we'll see what happens when real football starts. But I, I like what I saw out of my kids. And we we officially separated out of varsity and JV teams this week. That was that was tough. But um, I, I think I think I got a squad. I think I got some kids that can ball out. It's going to be fun. You sounded so much like a football coach. Right. Right there. Oh, yeah. we're going to be a tough out. You know, we got a really good competitive league, but we're going to give some people some problems. We got a talented team this year, yada, yada. Nice yeah, as, you know, as kids worked really hard in camp. Mm. I feel like, you know, we're going to be the best conditioned team out there. We won't fade in the fourth quarter. Uh, we're going to hit people in the mouth, except we're not because it's an on-contact sport. Um, <laughs> but there are also only two officials on the field. So what you don't see isn't a foul. Uh, yeah, it's going to be I, what my little, I got this little sophomore running back who's just shifty as hell. And she's also one of my students. She's in my class and she came in Wednesday after our scrimmage and, and she was like, Treve, because all the kids call me Treve, Coach Treve. She's like, look at this. And like shows me like all the bruises up and down her arm. <laughs> She's like, someone told me this was a non-contact sport. And I was like, welcome to the show, kid. No such thing. No love such it. thing. It was great. She was really proud of it, though. Mm. So I was like, my kids are tough, man. They aren't scared. You can hit them that. in the mouth. They're going to bounce back up. And who knows? Maybe by the time they graduate from high school, go to college, there will be some sort of collegiate league they can play. There or... are. There nice. already is in the NAIA. Um, yeah, the first the first ever uh, flag football scholarships were handed out this this past year in, in Illinois for a couple of NAIA schools. So it's already being played collegiately at that level. I would not be shocked whatsoever if it's a, a division one because it's such an easy sport for a big school to add mm-hmm. and stay in Title IX compliance. It's very inexpensive. You already have the facility like it's a it's you don't have to have a massive team 
Um, it's it's a really easy addition. It's, it's kind of akin to like a beach volleyball or something where you don't have to invest a million dollars to add a sport and get in Title IX compliance. You can you can you know spend spend minimally and give scholarships and and kind of help your your athletics program overall. Plus, it is among if not the it is currently the fastest growing sport in California, and I'm sure that it will be true as they add um, flag football in other states as well. So it's it's a it's a really it's a cool thing to get to be a part of on the ground level. I've, I've been kind of on a little media tour because it turns out that uh, football coaches aren't so good at talking good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of my experience doing this, uh, every every time one station puts me on, somebody else calls me up and says, hey, will you uh, do an interview with us for flag football? And Incredible. Also like the token female coach, right? Like I'm the token female coach at the all-girls school. So I'm a, I'm a unicorn in this world apparently right now. It's pretty fun. Becky Harmon of flag football mm-hmm. in Northern California. Mm-hmm. You'd love to see it. Well, maybe TCU will add flag football one day and we can have a men's soccer team back again too. We just so double sick. up on some sports there. That'd be pretty Jer- Jeremiah, if you're listening, give me a call when you add it. I'm I'm into coach. I'm Heck gonna make yeah. it happen. Oh my gosh. TCU flag football coach Melissa Trewasser. That'd be dope. We man, Frogs Insider would have the uh best source, I think, oh, going for that. Biggest insider. Right? Biggest insider. How about it? All the all the breaking TCU flag football news would be on this show for sure. Um, but Melissa, as much fun as flag football is, real football is starting. And it's not just starting at the college football level. It's starting in the NFL here in a couple weeks, too. And you had a chance to do something pretty cool over the weekend. Mm-hmm. This is the big bender that you went on. It's yeah. You got to go out to uh, the 49ers, 49ers Chargers preseason game, talk to a couple former Frogs. Uh, on both sides of the football, I suppose. So why don't you tell us about that experience a little bit? It was a really great experience. Shout out to uh, Mark Cohen for putting me in touch with the right people over with the 49ers and shout out to the 49ers for for credentialing me for that game. Um, I've got to give the press box spread at Levi Stadium was among the most elite spreads I've seen for any venue. Although I will say it was a little disappointing to to walk into Levi Stadium and see so many men in jerseys and like no <laughs> glitter because the last time I was there, obviously, was for the Taylor Swift concert. So different crowd, go. total different vibe. A uh, lot more drunk people. It was uh, it was quite the experience. Um, no, it, it was great. It was really cool to to be in an NFL press box for an NFL game. Um, Max Duggan got a ton of reps, which was which was really cool. Got to see him make some plays with his feet um, and, and and throw the ball around a little bit. And then um, didn't didn't get a chance to talk to D winners and Matt Pryor on the Niners side uh, because I was uh, kind of my priority was going to talk to Quentin Darius Davis and uh, and Max over on the Chargers side. And so I booked it down to the locker room and um, that was an experience in and of itself uh, that I'm not going <laughs> to talk about. Um, but but got a chance to interview um, those three guys, talk to them about uh, making the transition from the college game to the NFL, um, which I, I think they had some really good quotes on that, that uh, I think hearing from Max and kind of, you know, him talking about how learning how to be a professional was a really uh, interesting kind of perspective that he gave. Uh, let's, let's hear from him now on that. Yeah, it, it's fun. I think there's a lot, there's a learning curve and guys are helping me and it's, it's fun um, to be here with, with great people that are, that are helping me learn. And I think, yeah, it, at the point, you just got to go out there and play, but I think there is a learning curve to, to get into it, but it's been fun out here. Biggest thing that you've learned in your last four or five months from the transition from college ball to the pros? Uh, I think just how to be a professional. I think learning from great guys um, that are in this building and in our room of how to be a professional, how to approach every day, um, you know, to get better and, and how to treat people and, and how to be that professional at the highest level. 
And then I did also ask all three guys, you know, coming off of the season that they had, looking forward to to this fall at TCU, who were they most excited to watch play? And I don't think it'll come as any surprise. We've talked about him a lot on this show, but um, Darius Davis and Quentin Johnston had a, a fellow receiver that, that they came in with that they had really high praise for. Uh, let's hear what they had to say about Savion Williams. Um, like like you said, Savion Williams, guy that came in with us, uh, Chandler Morris. You know he got hurt last season, and um, I feel like he have, have a lot to prove. So uh, Chandler Morris and um, Savion Williams. And then, like any good quarterback would, Max Duggan was very quick to to throw a little light on uh, the offensive linemen, the guys that that are coming back for another year. Um, he he talked about how much he's looking forward to seeing that unit gel and and what they can do for Chandler Morris. Yeah, there's a lot of guys, obviously, you know, a bunch of buddies that are still on the team. You know, obviously, you know, Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman, um, John Lands up front, you know, lived with those guys. And so, you know, very close to them. But there's plenty of guys that, you know, I'm looking forward to. Obviously, you know, looking forward to watching Chandler play and having a great year and, and just the rest of the guys just having, having a good year. Yeah, overall, super, super cool experience. Uh, love getting to catch up with those guys. It, it was fun to see them. Um, it's it's it was It was fun to kind of see, like, the – the like little shock and then it register on their faces that like who I was because I mean obviously we spent a lot of time around those guys over the last uh, month or so of the season um you know at the Fiesta Bowl National Championship the Big 12 uh championship and so it was really fun to get to reconnect with them and and just to kind of see them having so much success um I, I think you know Max is is done a lot of really good things and and I think he's got a great shot to make that 53 man roster as the third quarterback there and you know, I think Darius Davis is a guy that that was going to be a return specialist, but um, I, I think he's really carved out a, a niche for himself as a receiver, too, as a slot receiver. I, I think he's not only going to make that team, I think he's going to play. So, and then QJ, obviously, first-round pick, um, the huge expectations on him, um, and he made a couple of really nice receptions in that game, too. So, really fired up for those guys. Uh, fired up for D. Winters, who looks like he could be in the two deep for the 49ers, that really good defense, and Matt Pryor, started um you know most of the preseason played a ton of snaps so I think he he's on that squad his position's locked in too so uh really really cool to to see TCU guys have success at the next level it's obviously it's great for the program as a whole um and it's just fun to to have guys to cheer for on Sundays too yeah it's it's really cool you know speaking of cheering for guys on Sundays you know like Luke and Baker over on the baseball team had his first professional like first major league home run this weekend as well Mm -hmm. and uh, that was pretty cool to see. And it just across all of the sports landscape now, I mean, Messiah Bright's one of the leading goal scorers yeah. in the NWSL this year as a rookie. Obviously, Desmond Bain and Kendrick Williams and soon to be Mike Miles in the NBA are, are absolutely crushing it. And uh, it's a good time to be a Horn Frog just to be able to, to bop around the country and see pro frogs pretty much everywhere you look. It's, it's pretty awesome. I completely missed that Luke and Baker home run because of how chaotic my weekend was um, with, cause that was the, the 49ers game was just one in a series of just massive, just chaos. But I'm, I'm looking at the highlights now on Twitter. What a, what a vintage Luke and shot. I mean, just made it look so easy. And so it looks, it looked almost ex- identical to the home run he hit in the college world series against Texas tech. So I think it's mm-hmm. important to, to bring that up for any red Raider. Yeah. As, as much as Shout possible. Out. Much Shout out to gambling gal shows. I'm sure they, they remember that well uh, and fondly, but um, Melissa, let's jump in to uh, I'm actually going to cut live here on the air, the week zero conversation. Cause nothing really like terribly interesting happened no. outside of Notre Dame, just absolutely throttling Navy. Yeah. In Ireland, disrespecting the troops, disrespected the troops, but won me money. So that was pretty cool of them. Um, but Melissa, we're going to get into a couple of predictions here 
in just a second. But first, I want to remind our listeners of one of our incredible sponsors, Hell's Half Acre Sporting Goods. Hell's Half Acre Sporting Goods is a brand that was created with Horn Frogs in mind. Each item sold makes a direct impact on TCU student athletes. You can check out all of their TCU gear from polos and shirts to headwear and home goods on hellshalfacresg.com. Hell's Half Acre has all the goods you need to get ready for game day. And they just dropped a new football polo a couple weeks ago. Very cool. Uh, it looks awesome. And so make sure you go to their website and get one of those before they're gone because it's going to be the perfect game day polo for this season. Again, that's hellshalfacresg.com. It's the place to go to grab your game day polo hat and more. So head over there today. Nailed it. Um, all right, Melissa, let's get into some predictions because we don't have any football to recap quite yet for TCU. I thought we could do a little bit of record prediction and then some more specific like statistical predictions on the season. I like it. So let's start with this. Like plan. Probably the lowest hanging fruit of all of these predictions. Um, leading passer as far as yards, touchdowns, all of the above are concerned. Who's going to be TCU's path leading passer by the end of the season? Well, if it's anybody but Chandler Morris, I think we have a big problem. So let's go ahead and give Chandler as the um, unquestioned QB one that he stays healthy, that he plays. I'm going to say a minimum of 11 games this year. I think he's got a chance to play all 12, um, but he's going to play all 11 games and or all 12 games lead TCU in every statistical passing category, um, both yards through the air and touchdowns. I think Chandler's going to be the guy and he proves he can be the guy this fall. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think if something different happens, then we're probably, like you said, uh, something, something bad has happened. So um, I agree. It's Morris. Like I said, that was the easy one. We got that one out of the way. Next TCU's leading rusher as far as yards are concerned. Yeah, this one is a little bit more interesting um, because, you know, as, as you talked about last week, as, as we've seen a lot of people talk about coming out of fall camp, is Imani Bailey has really established himself as probably the lead back for this offense. You know, Trey Sanders has been, uh, he's had a governor on, they've kind of load management, managemented him uh, throughout fall camp in the interest of keeping him healthy. But Sonny Dyke said he is 100% healthy. That being said, Amadi Bailey is definitely the more explosive runner. Um, and, you know, we saw him average over eight yards to carry a season ago and very limited opportunities. That's obviously going to come down as he takes on a higher workload. But I still um, would not be surprised at all if he is the leading rusher for TCU this fall. And I expect him to be so. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you here. I wonder if we're going to disagree on the next one, because I, I do think Amadi Bailey is going to get the bulk of the carries. Mm -hmm. uh we've seen in limited time what he can do from a rushing standpoint when he gets into space but he's also a little bit smaller than yeah. Trey Sanders so I'm going to go with Imani Bailey for yards but moving on to this next category leading rusher as far as touchdowns is concerned I think I'm still going to stick with Trey Sanders yeah and I think that there are going to be some goal line opportunities for him uh and you know like I said with Marcel Brooks on last episode meaningful touches or meaningful snaps doesn't necessarily mean a ton of touches or snaps. And I think Trey Sanders is still going to be in the football game at meaningful moments, especially in goal line situations. So I'm going to give Bailey the rushing yards edge, but I'm going to give uh, Trey the rushing touchdowns edge. Well, 
This is super uninteresting so far because I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, I, I do think Trey Sanders and goal line situations and goal to goal short, short yardage and in the red zone. Now, the one thing I will say, I don't know because um, I haven't gotten to be there as much is, is what his reputation is as a pass protector. And I do think that that's going to be an important part, even in the red zone of Kendall Bryles offense. Um, and so, but he is bigger than Amani Bailey, which would lend me to believe that he's probably a little bit of a better uh, pass protector too. So I think, I think Trey Sanders does also have the most touchdowns of any running back in that room. Although I do think that, that that's probably um, uh, a statistic that's more up for debate. Um, and I would not be surprised if, if any of those guys had had the most touchdown score, but I'm going to leave Trey Sanders as well. And I mean, another guy that we haven't really talked about a ton in preseason is Corey Wren, who's mm-hmm. fully healthy, Florida State transfer. He's looked good in fall camp. I just don't know how they're going to split all of these touches in the backfield. And I think the pecking order right now as it stands is Bailey, Sanders, but on a workload uh, management, and then Corey Wren behind him. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see, I guess, how how the snaps break out between those three guys. Cam mm-hmm. Cook will probably get a few touches here and there as well. Highly rated four-star uh, freshman. That's coming into the program, but um, yeah, I, I don't see I don't see anything crazy happening as far as this backfield is concerned that we're not necessarily expecting going into the yeah, season. I completely agree. Now that this one gets interesting from here, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because I think that that you've got three categories for us when it comes to wide receivers: uh, leading receptions, leading yards, and leading touchdowns. I think you could easily go three different guys for this, mm-hmm. and we between the two of us could probably have five or six different guys. So who do you have leading the team in receptions? Uh, so I think leading reception, I've been waffling back and forth. I'll be completely yeah. honest with you between uh, JP Richardson and Jared Wiley. Um, because I think that at the end of the day, the way this offense works, you're going to see a lot more attention paid by Chandler to slot receivers and tight ends mm-hmm. because of where the ball is going to be going on the field how how they're going to want to move the ball down the field um the easy tie-in here is that chandler and richardson are roommates mm-hmm. and they've been working very closely with each other all off season um and i mean this is a guy that had close to 50 receptions at oklahoma state last year so he's probably the most proven receiver that you have on this roster right now and considering the fact that it's a new offense, and so everyone kind of started on the same playing field outside of Warren Thompson, um, who transferred in from Arkansas, where Kendall Bryles was prior, uh, I think that there's not necessarily that advantage that Savion Williams or some of these other guys would have having been in the program for previous years. Um, all that to say, I think it's going to end up being J.P. Richardson, who has the most receptions for TCU this year. I don't think he will be the team leader in either of the other categories though once again i completely agree um i I think he has the most receptions but is not the leading yards or touchdown guy but the comfort the the bailout ability um i think he's someone that chandler will look for early and often in games um, and i think that he'll be asked to run very completable routes um and and be kind of that underneath guy as tcu like we've talked about is maybe a little bit less explosive but a little bit more efficient this fall on the offensive side of the ball. Fully agree. Fully agree. All right, moving to this next one, though. Who's going to lead the team in receiving yards this year? Okay, this is where I feel like I have to go with a wild card because we've been in full agreement at this at this point. So I was thinking about a wild card, too, but give me yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, this could be interesting then. Um, 
I was kind of thinking it wouldn't surprise me if it was Savion, but I'm going to stick with the outside and go Dalen Wright. I think okay. that his combination of size and speed, because Savion is a big target, is a great target. He's not the fastest guy in the field. He's not slow by any stretch. But if you're looking for those explosive plays, I could see Dalen Wright, who's still kind of working himself up the depth chart. By the time it's all said and done, I, I think he could be um, one of the key explosive members of this offense and, and be kind of the big play guy for TCU this fall. I, I love that pick. Um, that's not who my wild card was. Okay. So that's also really great for Perfect. the for, for entertainment purposes. Um, and I could definitely see it happening. He's got the, the like you said, all of the athleticism, the body control, the speed, the hands uh, to be a guy that is a legitimate deep threat on this roster. I am going to go, though, with another slot guy because mm. I still think the, the slot receivers are going to be the focal point of this offense from a passing standpoint and tight ends. So I'm going to go with JoJo Earl mm, because I think he's like probably – like he, he is primed to be like number two right behind uh, JP. Um, and if not him, Flash, right? Like Jalen Robinson yeah. is another dude who is – fast as hell but he's an outside receiver technically um so that's and that in my mind when i was thinking about wild cards that's what separated jojo from flash was the fact that jojo's another slot guy um i think this could be a very fun darius davis tay barber kind of setup between jpr and jojo and i think they're both going to see a lot of the football this year and at the end of the day jojo ends up a little bit ahead as far as yardage is concerned yeah, I, I I just I'm so excited to see what this looks like in a real game. And one of the benefits of getting to play a power five opponent in your opener is it's you're not going to get the kind of vanilla FCS opponent playbook like Kendall's going to have to bring it in week mm-hmm. one. And so we're going to get to see I mean, hopefully not for very long, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, easing in. I think that they're going to kind of open things up and have some fun and, and on Saturday. And so I'm excited to see how these guys look and, and how they kind of all fit together. Uh Leading receiver touchdowns. I have a feeling we're going to go the same guy here. I think we are. And it's mm-hmm. not a wide receiver for me. Nope. It's, yep, it's Jared Wiley. Yep. It's Jared Wiley. He's six foot seven, 260 pounds. If he's not your number one red zone target by the end of the year, something has gone horribly wrong because he is a dude that is in this offense. I mean, at very, to be very honest with you, he could be the leader in all three of these categories by yeah. the end of the year. Like that would not surprise me. I think Jared Wiley is primed for a massive year. One of the best years we've seen from a TCU tight end in a long, long time. Uh, and I think that because of his size, his ability uh, and the way that this offense is going to shake out, he's going to be TCU's leading receiver from a touchdown standpoint. I want to see a TCU tight end. This is all I've wanted for 25 years is to see a TCU tight end be so effective on the offensive side of the ball that he vaults himself into being a top three pick like or top three round pick. Mm-hmm. And I think Jared Wiley is exactly what the NFL is looking for in tight ends. Um, he put together some, some amazing games a season ago, but like you said, this is his chance to have that kind of breakout campaign and to have a really special year that puts him as one of the elite tight ends in this draft. Uh, there's a lot of great guys across college football, but he is special with that combination of size and athleticism in his hands. Um, And he just makes big plays. And so I completely agree. I think he is the leading touchdown receiver for TCU and uh, could easily be, you know, in, in the teens with touchdowns this fall. Moving to the other side of the football. Now there are not a ton of new faces in the secondary 
but there is one at the linebacker position that I'm thinking for, for this next one, but who do you think is going to be TCU's leading tackler this year? Well, it looks like we're on the same page again. And I think it's a combination of ability and the position that he plays. I mean, if you look at that star linebacker position that D winners held down a, a season ago, there's so many opportunities to finish plays from that position. And so um, it would not surprise me if, if Jamoy Hodge, you know, is, is kind of in this conversation, but man, everything we're hearing of Namdi Obiezar coming out of fall camp is he looks born to play this role. And at six foot three, um, he's got so much more size than TCU's had in the linebacker position um, the last couple of years. Plus, he's a heck of an athlete. I mean, obviously, he's got the speed to play safety. That's what he played a season ago. Um, I'd be, I would not be surprised if he had kind of a top ten tackling season um, for for TCU in the modern era. All right, I love that. Um, but to keep this entertaining and not just yes, we agree all the time. I'm going to go with the guy who was the leading tackler last season, mm-hmm. and that's Johnny Hodges. Mm-hmm. Hodges had 87 total tackles last year. That was three more than Mark Perry, who was second with 84, who had two more than Jamoy Hodge, who had 82, and then D. Winters had 79. Um, so th- the three starting linebackers were in there uh, most of the time, and obviously they were near the top because of this defense. I think, once again, Johnny Hodges leads the team in tackles this year. Uh he also had nine and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. Like he was all over the field last year. Yeah. But I think because of the way that D winners was playing football, especially near the end of the season, and because of the way Demoy Hodge was hitting people, Johnny kind of took us a, a back seat as far as attention went. Now there were those moments, right? Where we talked a lot about his story of even getting to TCU. We talked about the, the recruitment and lack of recruitment out of high school and lack of interest out of the portal and, his dad logging on and sending emails to coaches to try and get him some more portal interest and all this other stuff. Um, But here's the thing. Johnny Hodges is known now. People know who he is. They're going to expect him to come out and have big games. And I think he's the kind of guy that will rise to that expectation. Uh, He came in and immediately fell in love with the culture that Sonny Dykes and Kaz Kazadi were putting in place. This is a defense that absolutely 100% relies on him at his position to do his job and to do it well. And time and time again, we saw that last year, you've got more athletic guys on the field at linebacker. I don't think that's any surprise to anyone, Um, but Johnny Hodges is Mr. Consistent. And I think we're going to get another season of very consistent linebacker play from him. And he ends up being the leading tackler. You know, I was, I was tempted to go with Johnny. The only reason I didn't is if you look at like how this kid was literally being held together by with like pipe cleaners and duct tape at the end of last season, I wonder if they'll rotate him out a little bit more this season when they can to try to keep him fresh for the end. There was no depth. There was nobody to come in behind him a season ago, but it looks like there's a solid two, potentially three deep at each of those linebacker positions this fall. So that's the only reason why I wonder if maybe he gets to catch a little bit of a break early um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of affects his overall numbers. But yeah, it's really hard to pick against Johnny Hodges, not just for his talent as a football player, but just how tough he plays and, you know, how, how badly he does want to be on the field for every single snap. So I think that's a great, that's a great prediction. And you make a good point there too. I mean, it could not be a linebacker at all because of the depth that they've got. It might be Mark, you know, I think MP is primed to have another really good year. He was the leading tackler, I think until the Michigan game. So uh, that's, I mean, it could very well be Mark Perry again this year too. 
Now, I will say this, despite the fact that Mark Perry does tend to play a little bit closer to the line, if he is the leading tackler for TCU, this defense probably has not developed at the rate that we hoped that that it would. I, I would say that would be a little bit of a problem. Um, but also, he doesn't really necessarily play like a traditional safety in this Joe Gillespie defense. So mm-hmm. maybe that wouldn't be that bad of a thing. Um, Jamie, who is going to be the leading sack getter for TCU this fall? And I'm going to, ch- I'm going to challenge you on this because we've talked about this a little bit. How many sacks is, a, is TCU's leading sack oh. getter going to have? God. Okay. This is a tough one. It is. Uh, there are two names that stick out in my mind. I'm going to go with my gut on this one, just because he had a really good fall. I'm very impressed with his build physically. And I think he's going to be able He's most capable to, uh, to do this. Uh, that's Paul Oyewale. Um, I don't think he's going to have 14 sacks like someone in our hot takes <laughs> yeah. podcast said the other day. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if this was a low sack total for TCU this year, as far as like individual totals go, but they get their sacks from a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Oyewale probably ends up with like six or seven and that that's good enough to lead the team. Um, but you have probably a handful of guys who are all in that four, five, six range. Yeah. Um, cause I think they're going to have to bring pressure from a lot of different areas. You're not going to rely on Marcus deal or Dom Williams to get a ton of sacks. And when you don't have a tremendous amount of depth at edge, uh, that means you're going to be sending some linebackers at times. You're going to be sending some safeties or corners at times. Uh, and so I think TCU gets decent sack numbers this year, but I don't think they come necessarily from one place. I would not be shocked at all if someone in the secondary or linebacker led TCU in sacks this fall. Like that would not shock me whatsoever. Um, but because we've kind of already talked about the guys who'd be most likely to to lead in that category, I'm going to stick on the defensive line. I'm going to go on the other edge and go with Caleb Fox. I think Paul Oyewale has a great opportunity. He's going to be a big impact player. I'm leaning Fox strictly because he's an older guy. He's a veteran. He's a senior. He's got some more experience. It might take Oyewale a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed. Um, I think Caleb Fox uh, can can lead the team in sacks. I agree. I don't think it's going to be a big number. I'm going to go closer to seven or eight, though, um, with his total sacks for the season. And I think it's one of those things where he has, you know, in, in one of those early games, maybe he has two or three sacks to kind of pad his stats overall. But I completely agree. I think you're going to see maybe five or six guys that have at least four or five sacks this season. It would not surprise me whatsoever. All right, so this next one, I think there are probably four or five guys that you could reasonably say will be the leader for this category. Who's going to lead TCU in interceptions this season? So I love this question because, like I said, literally any of the five guys in the secondary could be the answer. But I think people are really going to try to avoid giving too many opportunities to Josh Newton and um, to Avery Helm. So I'm going to go with my favorite player on the defensive side of the ball, and say Bud Clark. Um, I don't think TC will have as many interceptions as they did a season ago, but I think Bud is going to be scooping up a lot of mistakes. Um, and I think he's the the thing with a player like Bud Clark, he's going to take big chances. So it's high risk, high reward. So he will give up, he will get a lot of interceptions that way, but he will give up some big plays too. So I think Bud leaves leads the team. I don't think it's a, a massive number of picks, but I think teams are not going to want to throw at Josh Newton and Avery Helm a whole heck of a lot this fall. So there'll be an opportunity for the safeties in the middle of the field to kind of wreak some havoc. I love that pick. 
Um, I am going with one of the guys you just named, though, and it's not Josh Newton because mm. I don't think Josh is going to get targeted a ton. Here's a fun fact, though, about Avery Helm, who is my pick to lead the team in interceptions this year. He is not allowed a touchdown from his senior year of high school. To wow, now. that's great. That is a great statistic. He is not allowed a touchdown from his senior year of high school to now. I don't know if that trend keeps up. But I do know that when you look at TCU's secondary and you say, well, we don't want to throw at Josh Newton. Well, we don't want to throw it at, at, at these safeties a whole lot. Um, all right, we're going to go over here to this side of the field. We're going to try and create some opportunities over here. I know that Avery Helm will be up to the challenge and up to the task. Uh, and I think he, he ends up leading TCU in interceptions this year and you know, maybe quarterbacks start looking back Josh Newton's way by the end of the season and don't yeah. find much success there either. I really am very excited. I got to go on the, on the uh, 105.3 The Fan this afternoon to the sports station here in DFW uh, to talk a little bit about TCU. And they said, what position group are you most excited about this year? And I was like, secondary, hands down. Yeah. Hands down, this this safety bunch and this group of corners like are, are so old, so experienced, incredibly athletic and talented. Um, they looked at me like I was crazy, uh, because I said, you know, I would not be shocked if there was a, another Thorpe award winner in this yeah. group, uh, and that TC was bringing home that award for the third time in four years. They also didn't know that this, that, that would have been, you know, three out of the last four. But, always know, sleeping on us, man. They're sleeping, sleeping on TCU, on man. Sleeping on TCU. So yeah, Avery Helm is my pick for interceptions leader for TCU this year. Yeah. I think it's a great pick. Um, I, like you said, this group is so deep and so talented and so fun to watch. And now they're just so big. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing is, is they are, I, I was, I was reading um, uh, Jeremy's camp observations for on Horn Frog Blitz uh, earlier this weekend. And I think he said that, that all, but like one guy is over five eleven or five ten, which is the first time we've been able to say that about a, a TCU secondary in a yeah. really, really long time. That's cool. It's mm -hmm. a big group. It's a big group in the defensive backfield. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it, it's partially because of Joe Gillespie's style of defense, yeah. what he wants at corner and safety versus what previous iterations of TCU's defense wanted, where they could get away with having some of those smaller, faster guys who were willing to be physical, take some pass interference penalties along the way and, and shut down, shut down receivers that way. This is, this is a different style of defense and it's showing just in the physical build of the guys that they're putting back there in the secondary. All right. So the last question, this is, this is our final opportunity before a game has been played to put on paper on record. What is TCU rec TCU's record going to be this fall, Jamie? I've been going I feel back like I forth. should go. I feel like I should go first because I'm probably the more of the hater here. Go for um, it. I mean, we should finish on your positive Hate note. away. Hate away. Yeah. So I've six been and saying, six. just say it. <laughs> I'm not that much of a hater. I'm not that much of a hater, but I, I think I'm I'm not like it's not that I'm down on this team at all. I just I think that that back half of the schedule is brutal. Um, I, I think that you don't replace eight NFL caliber players without taking a step back. Um, and I, I think that um a lot of teams around TCU have improved. Um, and so I've been kind of saying that it feels like eight wins is about right. But with the way that the schedule plays out, we've talked a lot about the fact that TCU could win six of their first seven, potentially seven games. And I don't see them going, you know, two and five or two and three down the stretch or, or whatever it is. I'm, ugh, I think that they're going to go nine and three. I'm going to give nine and three. 
Um, I think just outside of of the top three, probably finished fourth in the Big 12. Um, not not they're in contention for playing in the Big 12 championship up until the last two weeks of the season. Um, but I, I think nine wins and nine wins is me feeling a little bit generous. I think that feels about right though for this team this fall based on the schedule and all of the pieces that TC is having to replace. This team will win 10 games in the regular season. All right. It will be it will be ten or more. I'm my prediction is ten and two. Um, this is a wide open Big Twelve right now. Mm-hmm. There are some very good teams. There are a lot of talented programs. Texas, Kansas State, kind of stand above the rest right now, as far as talent goes. We know that Texas finds a way to fart and fall down multiple times every season. I think that happens again. Uh, I think that happens to TCU. Um, if you had to put a gun to my head right now, I think TCU wins 10 games and they lose at Kansas State and they lose at Oklahoma. I think mm. those are probably the two losses on the, on the regular season slate. Is that good enough to get them into the Big 12 championship game? I don't know. I just don't know. It probably could be. It could be close. Um, but you're probably looking at, if you've got two losses there, uh, you're probably looking at, at best, maybe third, fourth in the conference at that point. Um, got a great bowl matchup probably at that point too. And you're looking at the pot, the potential for an 11 and two season on the heels of a college football playoff appearance. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sky is the limit after that for Sonny Dykes and, and this coaching staff and this team. I, I have not been this enthusiastic about a TCU football team in preseason in probably eight or nine years, mm. probably 2015 was the last time I was this hyped up for a TCU team. Uh, coming off of that 2014 season and looking at all the guys that they brought back. And that was, that was a different situation too, right? Cause they were bringing a ton of guys yeah. back. Um, but I just, having watched this team as closely as I have this spring and this fall, uh, I, I feel very confident in TCU's talent level, very confident in the staff and the culture to hold things in place. And um, I think that in the long run, you know, if you're going to lose in the national championship, the way the TCU did, it's very easy to let that bad taste linger uh, and fester. I have not seen any of that from this team. I've seen it be a motivating factor. I think it sent the coaches back to the drawing board to say, hey, if we get this opportunity again, what are we going to do differently so that we have more success the next time around? Uh, And so I think we're going to see a TCU football team that's motivated that was humbled on a national stage and wants to get that perspective out of people, out of people's minds um, and maybe set the record straight about what TCU football is consistently year over year, which is since the year 2000, the seventh winningest program in college football. You know, I think one of the things I've really appreciated about this TCU team is a lot of times you'll hear players and coaches say, Oh, that was last year. We've moved on and not want to talk about it. Every single player and coach that I've had a chance to talk to has owned up to that score. They have not forgotten about it. They have not wiped it away. They are like almost ready to talk about it and to say, yeah, we're not going to forget how that felt. That's going to motivate us because it's not like Sonny Dykes has said, it's not just about, you know, being a team that makes a, a Cinderella run. It's about knowing how to win those types of games and how to build a team that could win those types of games when you get to that that ultimate um, peak and knowing what it takes to be a champion over a program the caliber of a Georgia. 
um, in Alabama, you know, any of these kind of blue blood programs um, that exist throughout the country. So um, you can tell they really did take it to heart. And, you know, one thing we've heard from from everybody is that this team physically does not look like any TCU team that has ever existed. Um, not just the returning guys, but the incoming freshmen too, is that this is the most physically talented team. And then you give them time with Kaz Kazadi and now they they look like they are much more ready to compete on a high level with the best in the country, um, you know, in, in the biggest positions um, that determine kind of the outcome of games. Yes, absolutely. It's year two. There's no like, Hey, culture building stuff. This is, you know, these are the baseline expect. None of the baseline expectations, foundational stuff has to be reinstalled this year. Yeah. And so I think they're ahead of the game already in that standpoint. Uh, and like you said, they're hungry, they're ready to rock. So give me 10 and two in the regular season for the Horn Frogs. All right. You've got 10 and two. I've got nine and three. You know what we both have, Jamie? Hmm. Home field apparel shirts on. Yes, we do. Because, yep, I've got my old school frog. You've got the hell freezes over. Um, with home field apparel, you're going to get some of the softest t-shirts and hoodies in the game, not just for TCU. I know you love to wear your big sky conference hoodie, despite the fact that it's, um, last I checked, 212 degrees. In Roughly. the state of Texas right now. Um, it actually rained today here. It rained. No, it did rained. it evaporate the minute that it came out of the clouds? Pretty much, yeah. Still 99 yeah. degrees, but, you know, it rained that Rain today. is rain. That is so That's exciting. Nice. Well, it's a good thing, then, that Homefield released um, just about the coolest bomber jacket that has ever been created. I could not buy that quickly enough when that came out this past week. Um, Homefield Apparel is one of our sponsors here in the Frogs Insider podcast. And as such, we get opportunity to pass along a 15% discount for all first time buyers that code is frogs in 15 that'll get you 15 off your first purchase 10 off any additional purchase that's frogs in one five 15 off your first purchase at home field apparel um some of the best vintage throwback um t-shirts sweatshirts joggers all of the things they just released i'm very jealous of this i saw this come out uh sunday morning they just released football boxes with exclusive merch um they released it for eight schools i hope that tc will be one of those schools because again cannot wait to spend more money with home field apparel they care not about my financial well-being but they do care that i am dressed well for football season and i appreciate that about them you are helping their financial well-being though by yes. buying that bomber jacket yes. and i will be purchasing the box if if a tcu one yes. comes out as well because that stuff is exclusive to the box right like they're not going to yeah. be selling that stuff not one just on the yeah. regular storefront you can only get it if you buy one of those boxes so what is it going to take for home field apparel to make some um trubies uh throwback shirts you i know, think you I just need to get you just got to get them licensed and they're going to yeah. knock that stuff out for you got it make it happen gosh they're going to spend i'm going to spend so much stuff so much money on truby stuff i'll tell you that mm -hmm. right now i tell you as you should as you should Absolutely. So, uh, Melissa, let's shift away from football, though, here, just as we kind of wrap things up, because obviously Saturday is a big day. It's the first football game of the season. Colorado and Dion are coming to town. Big noon kickoff will be there. It's going to be an excellent atmosphere at Amon G. Carter Stadium. More than just TCU fans will be in the stadium, though. Mm. There will be recruits in the stands as well for both basketball and for baseball. So a big recruiting weekend. This is a uh, one of the prime recruiting seasons for hoops and for baseball. I don't think a lot of people maybe realize that, that a football game is a great recruiting ground, not just for football players, mm -hmm. but for athletes of other sports as well. I know that Eric Bell brings soccer recruits out this time of year. Jason Williams brings volleyball out. Hector, Gutti Hector uh, Gutierrez brings 
uh, beach volleyball players out as well. Like other sports build their recruiting schedule around TCU football as well, because it is such an excellent atmosphere and an opportunity to show those student athletes, Hey, you're obviously coming here to play your sport, but here are some opportunities to just be a student as well, like coming to a TCU football game, watching them kick the crap out of Colorado. So mm-hmm. uh, basketball's got four very highly rated recruits for the 2024 class coming in. Three are rated in the top 100 in the 2024 class. One is kind of newer on the radar too. So uh, I'm not going to start with him. I'm going to start with the two that have been on campus before. That's... Um, Michael Robinson and Nick Cody. These two guys are very good friends. They've taken a ton of their visits together unofficially. They were on campus over the summer together, taking an unofficial visit, um, seeing the campus, doing all the kind of stuff. And uh, they're coming back together again. TCU is in their top seven, respectively, for both of these guys. Uh, Let's see here. Micah is, Michael Robinson is a small forward. He's like 6'6". Uh, very athletic guard. Nick Cody's a little taller. He's about six, eight. He's a power forward. Reminds me a lot of Emmanuel Miller. Mm. Um, Cody is a kid whose recruiting has blown up a ton over the summer. He's the number 55 kid in the, in the country right now for this class. He's the number one overall recruit in the state of Texas. And he just released a top seven, but everything I'm being told is that it's really down to three schools. It's down to Houston, Texas, and TCU for his services. I'm not sure how interested he is in leaving the state. Um, but the, the kicker here is that TC would take them both. And I think that in the back of their minds, they're looking for a place where both of them can play, right? You're probably going to hear a lot about Houston being Nick Cody's number one school down the road. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I know that he likes Houston a lot. I know that he also wants to maybe play with Michael Robinson and TCU, I think is offering the opportunity to do that for both of these guys. Robinson is a great recruit in his own right. Uh, he is from DFW. He's from Frisco, but he's been playing his basketball, his high school ball in Virginia. He's the number six overall recruit in the state of Virginia. He's the number 97 overall player for the class of 2024. Another very athletic, talented kid. Um, and they'll, they'll both be on campus this weekend for, for a visit. They're getting it on Thursday night, I believe, alongside a kid, Trent Perry, who is one of the best point guards, combo guards in this recruiting class. He's the number nine combo guard in this recruiting class. He's the number seven recruit from the state of California, uh, number 61 overall recruit. Trent Perry has been on visits to Oregon. Um, USC is big in the mix for him. He is canceling a visit to Notre Dame to come here. So this is a kid who's got some significant interest in TCU uh, and obviously is kind of TCU's maybe higher up in the pecking order than I expected them to be at this point in the process for him. Um, He's got over 20 offers, though. This is a kid that's highly sought after essentially from coast to coast. right? And it's USC, it's Oregon, it's Illinois, it's Oklahoma. I just mentioned Notre Dame. He's got Virginia offer. He's got Vandy offer. Uh, Colorado's in the mix as well. Um, and obviously he's holding that TCU offer too. So that's another big name that's going to be on campus this weekend that, uh, the frogs are hoping to, to make a pretty good impact with on him. Uh, and then the last guy rounding it out, um, is the number one sixty player overall in the class. I'm going to try and say his name. I think I'm going to nail it. Dorian on is okay. making his way over from the Dallas side of the Metroplex. He's, uh, from Dallas plays at Faith Family Academy over there in, in Oak Cliff. Uh, he's a 6'10 center, 
extremely athletic kid who is growing up a lot physically. And because of that, I think he's still kind of growing into his game. So we're going to see him jump, I think, in the rankings this fall as basketball gets underway. Um, he already has some legit offers. I mean, Texas, Texas A&M, Xavier, Virginia Tech, Tennessee are all on him already. Uh, he's got the TCU offer in his hand as well. He's going to be on campus this weekend. He's rated as the number 30 center in the country for the class of 2024 and the number nine overall player in the state of Texas. So two top 10 players from the state are going to make their way in this weekend, along with uh, two other very highly regarded guys. So it could be, it could have the potential, sorry, three top 10 because Michael Robinson's number six in the state. So literally like 30 something percent, 30% of the Texas top 10 for the 2024 wow. recruiting class will be on campus for TCU this weekend. That's a really cool signal of how impressive TCU basketball is to recruits right now and how high of a level TCU is recruiting at. I mean, it's awesome to get those guys in, to get them for an atmosphere that, like you said, is sure to be pretty elite on Saturday morning with Big Noon Saturday, with, uh, you know, the fans back out for this team for the first time at home since November. Um, I'm assuming that we're going to get the Fiesta Bowl banner unveiled, uh, hopefully Saturday morning as well. Um, The only downside is supposed to be, what, 105, I think, Saturday? It's going to be pretty hot. Kickoff's at 11. I think the expected temperature at time of kickoff is like 98. Um, okay. But by the Reasonable. end of the game, at the end of the game, it'll probably be like 104, 105, yeah. something like that. So, but that's fine for basketball because they play indoors. So, yes. you know, most of these kids are from Texas. They get it. They know, they know. They, what's up. Yeah. I mean, they and they'll be, they'll be watching the game from a suite. I'm sure. So I'm sure they're going to be taken care of for this, for this yeah. opportunity to come watch TCU football and experience campus. I know they're going to visit a practice and, do some tailgating and all that kind of stuff as well. So obviously legal tailgate, like just yes. hanging out yeah. around tailgates. Yes. Clarify that. Yeah. Um, don't want to get yelled at. Anyways, they're going to have a great time on their OVs this weekend. Baseball is bringing in a bunch of guys too. Um, I'll have more info on that content or on, on that content, on those kids and their names and stuff later in this week. And um, I'm hoping to catch a couple of these kids and, and chat with them while they're on campus or just after. So look for all of that over at 24 seven. And obviously we'll be talking about that on the Sunday episode of frogs insider next week as well. Jamie on that Sunday episode, we will finally get to recap a football game, which is something to be very excited about. Hopefully a big win for TCU who uh, sends coach prime um, back home to Colorado sad and wondering what exactly he got himself into um, because this is not only the first game of the season, but this is a preview of a future conference rivalry, which I think will actually be pretty quickly a fun little rivalry because these two teams will have played each other twice in the two years leading up to Colorado joining the big 12 um, in 2024. So uh, I'm so ready to watch TCU play some football. Um, all the excitement of fall camp, all of the the questions, all of the predictions are fun and a blast. And we love the off season for that, but we much prefer to talk about what's actually happening on the football field for TC. And we will have a chance to do that starting next week. Very much looking forward to that. Very excited to see TCU back on the field and hit somebody that's not also wearing TCU pads and helmets. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we'll talk more about game predictions and all that stuff on the, on the midweek episode, but I'm thinking it's going to be a pretty good day to be a horned frog on Saturday. 
I completely agree. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors, uh, Hell's Half Acre Stadium Goods and Home Field Apparel. Could not do what we do without uh, those two awesome companies. And again, thank you to all of you guys who are, are listening, streaming, interacting with us on social media. Uh, I think we'll be watching for maybe some mailbags, some questions coming out later this week um, for our midweek episode. And then um, I'll have an interview with uh, uh, what what I'm affectionately calling the most interesting man in college football because very few people have had the last year that that this guy that call, covers Colorado football have had. So um, looking forward to bringing you guys more content. Um, appreciate you as always listening to Frogs Insider. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Go Frogs! Go Frogs! <laughs>